Hello and welcome to the Christmas episode of Savvy Choice. This month we're doing something a little different. We have a team who will be with you today and we are here. Dylan. Suzanne. Becky. Patrick. My name's Justin. I'm Joe. And in this episode, Christmas catch-up. Some guests had on the podcast podcast this year. Hearing from speakers at the recent Shorty Together meeting. And celebrating Disability History Month, which this year is about disability, health and well-being. Stick around later for a very useful Choices Voices and a special message from the Choices Waves team. But first, a couple of listeners have been in touch after hearing our latest episodes about cerebral palsy and carers. First up, Robert. Hi, I'm Rob. I do um, DJ Rob on Sorry Choices Waves. I listen to the uh, broadcast on cerebral palsy. And for me because I had it when I was born and I had the oxygen in my brain. Um, One side of my brain wasn't functioning. I like people talking about it because it's learning to understand it and when people understand it, they got to respect for people who got cerebral palsy, but some people don't, and it's horrible for us, people with cerebral palsy, and it's really upsetting. And with me, I got the uh, reading problem, and I was bullied at school, and. I have now accepted it with the young people who's coming through into a world with the ability. Do not be scared of it because I was scared a little bit of it. But with you um, new people who's coming through, do not be afraid. If you are afraid, talk to your parents or your teachers or your guardians. And that's how I did it. I had to talk to the my mum and dad and my guardians who, who I have living with now. Thank you for talking about it and this is uh, Robert signing off and thank you very much for listening. Also, our colleague Christina got in touch to tell us about a training programme called Restore to Mini. 
I listened to your um, podcast on carers and I thought this could be the perfect opportunity for me to tell carers and all of your listeners about something that Surrey Choices is offering, which is a little bit different. It's actually training and it's it's free training. It can be online or face to face. And it's particularly um, aimed at carers who are supporting people who might not be able to express when they're feeling pain or when they're not very well. So restore too many. We didn't invent this. This is a national scheme that's being rolled out across um, all sorts of centres across the UK, medical care homes, that sort of thing as well. It's, it's quite tragic, really, how this came about, because that there's a report every year which is called the, the LEADER report. It's a report that looks at people with learning disabilities and the reasons for their death. So not a cheerful subject, but something that's important all the same. And what came out of that is if you're a woman with a learning disability, you're likely to die 21.6 years earlier than someone without a learning disability. Um, for men, it's not as bad, but it's still it's something like 10 years. So, so that's that's not good. That's not what we want to see. And when they dug down a little bit deeper, some of these people are dying unnecessarily. They're dying from conditions like constipation. You know, it's not something we like talking about, but there, you know, there are certain things that we can all have in our lifetime. And actually, we need to understand what those conditions are and what we can do to support them. So what this training does, it's about recognising when somebody's not well. Some people either can't vocalise that or they just don't really recognise what's wrong or they, they don't really know what the problem is. So it helps people to spot difference in behaviours. So it helps people make a note of what those common things are. But also, quite importantly, there's two parts of it. One is spotting the signs and the other is it telling people about them, telling medical people. Because uh, what doctors will say, someone will ring up and say, oh, you know, my son John's not very well today. And they'll say, well, well what's wrong? And say, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just not right. From a doctor's point of view, that's quite hard to, to try and work out what's wrong with him. So what it does is it tells you to be able to use those soft signs and explain to them how to tell the doctor what those signs are or any medical professional. So it's two signs. First of it is what is the person showing that's giving you an idea that they're not well? And the second bit is, and how do you report that to the medical profession so they understand what you, you're saying and they recognise there's something not right here? So very simple, but actually we think it can make a real difference to helping people recognise when somebody could be going downhill or they might, their illnesses is, is escalating and making sure we communicate that to the doctors. And, and you know, the aim long term is to, to get these dramatic figures you know we don't want to see we don't want to see people with learning disabilities who are dying earlier than someone without if it seems to be a reason that might be preventable so that's really in a nutshell what restore to mini does if you're interested in this course you can email restore to mini at surreychoices.com and that's restore to as in the number two you can also find more contact details on our website at www.surreychoices.com. Now on with the show.
Expeditibility Visory The Mouth. Later. Uh, we have an interesting, interesting conversation, conversation with Lisa Curtis, Lisa Curtis from Baby Garden Charity, the Anne Craft Trust. It's Christmas, so we're catching up with some of those who've been on the broadcast this year. First up, our mental health. Also, regular voice, this show is Tash. Hi, I'm Tash, and I've been on the podcast a few times doing reading and interviewing and mental health. During Mental Health Week, I spoke about my rap box doing at my recovery course. Unfortunately, that has stopped, so I haven't been doing it for a while. But I have some good news, and the good news is that I am starting my creative recovery course next year in March for four weeks. To all the staff and everyone at Savvy Choices, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ho, ho, ho. Recently, Savvy Committee and Choices together. The event was hosted by Dexter, by Dexter, who hosted our podcast. Our podcast episode, all about wheelchairs, told us why getting together like this, this is so important. So important for people with learning disabilities. I think it's incredibly important. It's important that they have their voice, and it's important that that voice is heard. You know, I think sometimes. Working professionals, um, they're more concerned about filling in the paperwork. It's a personal perspective. They're more concerned about filling in the paperwork and and dotting, crossing the T's and dotting the I's rather than taking the time to listen to what the person actually wants and what that is, and what they need. The physical, the physical side, a lot of the time is met. It's the social and the emotional side that isn't always met. You know, so it's it's important to it's important to do that, but it's important to include that include make the um, decisions what we call person centered decisions. So you know, putting the person at the heart of the decision or the discussion, whatever's happening, making sure they feel involved, making sure their their opinions and their voice feels valued, and that they they feel respected as well. We entered has a number of speaking talking to her and they all good enough to come on onto a podcast and talk about some very important topics. First up, Amanda from Surrey's Council Choices or whatever, where, and the cost of living. Hey, so my name's Amanda Aldridge and I work for Surrey County Council as Engagement and Partnership Officer. My role includes working with individuals, groups, and to connect people and encourage them to work together. So I'm involved with the Surrey People's Group, the four local valuing people groups, the Learning Disability Partnership Board and the Autism Partnership Board. So, and the purpose of the Surrey's Learning Disability and Autism Partnership Boards is to get people to work together so that they can have a voice and make change happen and live in the community, be informed and be safe remain healthy and confident to be part of the community. So why is important for people with learning disabilities? I think people have a right to have their voices heard 
it's important that they can get what they want and need in their lives rather than what other people think they they need. So people with philanthropy are at risk of being ignored, and especially if they communicate in a way that other people find it hard to understand. And they have the right to live the same, to have the same opportunities as anyone else to live a satisfying and fulfilling lives. So they should have a great start to life, be able to live an age well and have opportunities to be part of and contribute to their local communities. Seven cows, Amanda, talk about. Was the cost of living crisis. Cost of crisis having a impact on all of us. Helped. But is it different for people? Different people. With learning disabilities. Sadly, I think many people with learning disability do not have a high income. So as everything gets more expensive, they might not be able to afford to pay for things that they need. And I think there are extra difficulties as well and that people may find it harder to find out what helps available to them and the information that's out there might be difficult for them to understand. And that's why um, Surrey produced an easy read version of the cost of living directory. Um, but there are also, there's other formats as well as the easy read. There's a screen reader, a large print version that, that people can get hold of as well if they need to. Cost, living, today rating. Has some tips. 17, save money. On energy. Energy. During the cost Cost, living, crisis. Close your window and doors to keep the cold wind out. Keep your showers as short as you can. It says four minutes, which is very short, so you might not be able to make it that short, but the shorter the better, so you don't spend a lot of money heating too much water. Um, Switch off appliances at the plug when you're not using them, because some of them use energy even even if you're not actually using them, so like a microwave has lights on it that use energy even if you're not actually cooking anything at the time. Don't overfill the kettle, only boil the water you need. So don't have a great big full load of water you're heating. Just if you're having one cup of tea, just put a cup's worth in your kettle. Um, Turn lights off when you don't need them. If possible, it's not always possible, but if possible, wash your clothes at 30 degrees, so a bit cooler maybe than you did before. And only use the machine when you've got a full load, again, if you can. Uh, and avoid using tumble dry if you can, which is hard, especially in the winter. I think it's difficult to dry things. We don't use a humble tumble dry, but well, especially if you can't have your heating on. At a meeting, Amanda, talk about... Valuing people. Valuing people. Groups. She told us. Showed us. What they were. What they were. Okay, so Surrey has four valuing people groups across the county. And as it's such a big county and it covers a huge area, that's why it has these four smaller groups. And the idea is that um, the groups include people with a learning disability. It could be family carers, good representatives from local social care providers, health, local authority, um, all people that are kind of concerned with what's going on with people, for people with learning disability. And they come together and discuss local issues um, in their community and and try and come up, you know, find ways of raising concerns with the council or whoever needs to help solve them. And um, the idea is to ensure that everyone has a voice 
um, and provide opportunities for people to get involved with their communities and input into creating positive change. So the outcomes of those meetings can be like there may be someone in the group, people in the group might better join together to solve a problem. So, for example, um, in the past, I think a group joined together to try and get autism friendly screenings of films in the local cinema. I think somebody had an issue with a bus route or something that they then were able to join together and lobby like the transport arm. And so the idea is to get kind of joined in sort of the strength in people working together to try and solve local issues. One person we know passionate about Agassiz, Ian Kurinda. My name is Kurinda and I think I'll have his up for yourself and also for the non-disability Some of them need to know how to get me a point. Like, I know what health has to do, but some people, they might not know. I'm like Dexter, right? So, me and Dexter get together and we think, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, and we need to wait for the household. Or I went to our own. Also had a word. Word for our new Prime Minister. The Minister. Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak. If it's our benefit that Yeah, and not need like also to listen to disability people. I feel like they're not listening to us. Because we won't do anything for disability people. From Joyce's way, and sorry Joyce, and sorry Healthy Council, and if or not, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I mean, here next year, for Queen Queen Jessie. Ho, ho, ho. More choices together later. Visibility History Months, 16 November, 16. December, but to mark this occasion, we invited Lisa Curtis from the Safe Garden the Saving Garden Charity and Crafts Trust to talk to Adam. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? My name's Lisa Curtis, and I'm the head of Safeguarding Adults and Young People um, at the Craft Trust. We're an existing um, charity. We've been around for 30 years. We've just celebrated our 30th anniversary. And um, our focus really is on improving safeguarding practices. And we we do that in a number of ways. So it could be um, delivering training. It could be helping people audit their safeguarding practices, um, raising awareness in any way that we can, supporting research, and working collaboratively, really, with as many people as we can to to raise awareness of, of safeguarding adults and young people. And how did the charity come about? It was founded in 1992 by Dr Anne Craft, who was a researcher at the Nottingham University. And um, we've, we've stayed there ever since, actually. So um, sort of through the 80s and 90s, um, Dr Anne Craft was sort of quite groundbreaking in her approach because she was very much sort of advocating for people with disabilities to be seen as people first and to be the to have the same hopes and dreams 
as others in the society. So she she formed. It wasn't called the Ancraft Trust then. We we rebranded when Anne sadly um, passed away. But we wanted to recognise her um, her ways of thinking and how she supported organisations really. So um, yeah, so her her values and beliefs are a core part of the, the trust as we speak today. Really, when you talk about safeguarding, who are we thinking of? Who are we looking out for when we think about safeguarding? Well, actually, that's an interesting question because I think you know before we had the legislation. Um, before we had the Care Act, as an example, in England, uh, we only really had guidance around safeguarding. So it, safeguarding wasn't even on the statutory um, footing then. And people probably thought about, as it was called there, as people used to say, really vulnerable adults. They'd be labelling people as being vulnerable rather than actually sort of thinking, well, actually, we can, we are all, we could all be at risk at any point in our life, really. We could all be in a situation where we feel vulnerable. And that vulnerability is often around the circumstances rather than you personally being labelled. So I think I would answer that by saying anybody could be at risk. We could all find ourselves in a situation where we feel um, that, that we're not being listened to or that there's a person who's more powerful than us. Um, we could have a member of our team who who um, is a victim of abuse in some way. But we do know that there are people who can be um, inherently more vulnerable, if you like, because of the circumstances. So if you are dependent on somebody for your care and support, it does make you slightly more vulnerable um, if you feel that you have not got a voice in that, if your opinions are not being heard, if your care and support isn't person-centred and around you, there are circumstances which which increase vulnerability. If you were homeless, that would increase your vulnerability. And there are many sort of situations, I think, which would encourage a person to make a choice which might not be a safe choice, but it's the only choice that they can make at the time. Um, so I, I think that, you know, obviously the Care Act has got categories within it in terms of um, defining abuse. And it defines sort of like a core proportion of people who would be an adult at risk if they had care and support needs and, and couldn't um, protect themselves from the experience of abuse and neglect. That That's a, a core group of people who made, may need additional help to to be safe um but outside of that there are layers and layers of other people who could also be in a in a situation where they feel unsafe um it was safeguarding adults week 2022 in november uh, did mm. you do anything to mark the occasion yes we did we did we did lots we we celebrate safeguarding adults every year and we have done i think for the past five years it was a initiative very much sort of created by ourselves at the Ancraft Trust. And what we wanted to do was to, to highlight safeguarding adults and to encourage other organisations to come together to raise awareness in whichever way that they want to do that. And we feel that the momentum um, has grown year on year. But how we approach this is we're actually providing people with free resources on our website, encouraging people to sign up to get these resources. So as an example, on Monday um, this year, we looked at exploitation and county lines. On Tuesday, we had a focus on self-neglect. 
Wednesday we had our conference um, and we had some great speakers there. And we really did. We we had a, a keynote from the Susie Lamplew Trust around um, street harassment, um, which included some very real and practical ways of interrupting that, that, that type of unsafe behaviour. We also heard from migrant help around modern slavery. We heard from um, children and young people first about adult grooming. We heard from refuge about how people can be um, abused online. So the technology aspect of that. So that was a, a really um, insightful kind of day with lots of interesting speakers. And then the week carried on. Thursday was about elder abuse. Friday was about domestic abuse. Um, sport, I must say sport get involved as well. We had a, a session around um, grooming and exploitation and the power of that within the sport arena as well. So we're encompassing as many different areas as we possibly can to, to widen people's view on safeguarding. This might be a simplistic question, um, but are there any red flags that people should be aware of that could tell us that there could be a safeguarding issue? Or is there another way of looking at it? I mean, there are obviously there are some categories of abuse that people could focus on, like financial abuse, domestic abuse, modern slavery and so on. And we generally can find information out about about those. Um, but I, I often think that if you have a suspicion or a, a or a feeling that something isn't right, then often you know, trust your instinct, really, I would say, trust that gut feeling, because if you've got a sense that something isn't right, then it usually isn't. And I think that if that thought stays with you, if you continue to feel worried about a situation or a circumstance or a person, and you can't switch off that internal alarm bell, I, I call it, I feel that we've all got one. And when we can't switch that off, we kind of should be thinking, and need to do something about this. Now, whether it's a conversation with the person, which I think is always a great place to start if you can, and it's safe to do so, because often I think that good safeguarding practice starts with a conversation. How are you? Are you okay? Do you need any help? And sometimes, you know, people will say, no, leave me alone. But sometimes it's all people need for somebody to think, well, thank goodness someone's noticed. Um, but other than that, you know, I think, yes, there could be physical signs that, that we could see, you know, there could be indicators of of um, bruising, of, of people not having enough money or, or actually having too much money if people are being gifted lots of money in an exploitative way. Um, if people are, have got new friends, which, you know, and that raises a few suspicions because of things which are, are being said. Um if people can't pay their bills, if a person just doesn't look themselves, isn't behaving in the same way, um, all of these things can be red flags, really. So if it's somebody that you know, definitely you can start to think, you know, hang on a minute, um, what's going on here? But equally, we could be out in the street and we could see a situation where we may need to consider um, getting the person help, calling the police, um, interrupting if we can, if it's safe to do so. So, yeah, th th those are those would be my my sort of tips, really. Trust your instincts. It's yeah. a big one. I noticed that on your website you had a page about UK Disability History Month. Why do you think Disability History Month is important? Mm. I think it's important because it, it it's about celebrating the lives of people with disability and, and challenging um, disabilism and 
thinking about how we achieve equality for people with disability. And I got, I feel I've got a history with this because I, I trained as a learning disability nurse in the 80s. Um, it wasn't even called learning disability then. Um, and it was at the start of the movement, really, when when people were uh, who were disabled or had a learning disability um, were being looked after in hospitals. And it was part of that that kind of idea at that time that people with a disability needed to be in a hospital. Um, it was that medical model kind of approach. It, it sort of reinforced that kind of um, situation where people had more power than the, the the individual themselves um, and during that that time and, and actually working at the, at the hospital and it really was a you know a medical model it was about treating the disability if, if you like rather than empowering the person we started to move towards the the social model um, I, I guess which which took some time and, and I still think even now there are still people being treated and looked after in in hospitals because they've got autism as an example um you know, you know and that's not right and mm. um, people being taken away from families being supported geographically very far away um and actually the support for people in the community needs to to look different and feel different so that doesn't happen i mean that's a whole nother kind of movement i, I suppose which i you know i feel quite strongly about but i do think that we can all challenge mm. um, any misconceptions we can all challenge the language that people use the disabling language the social inequalities we can challenge stereotypes which underpin that medical model still because these these things have an impact on individuals and their life and people can so easily be disempowered because other people due to their misconceptions are making decisions that they shouldn't be making really about individuals and that can can start in childhood in in schooling in education it can go on through the work that you do so it's building you know if we're not careful we're building this life of disempowerment of disabling people um people not being able to speak out um people doing things to people which i you know i feel i have seen that a lot sort of throughout my career so i think it's really important that we keep raising awareness and that we hear from people themselves disabled people um what their experience is because we need to to learn we're we're not the experts um and most importantly it's about seeing the person first and their abilities and wishes and feelings and and to be included and to be part of and all of those those things and i think we have to challenge to to make that happen mm. so that you know is this why i feel it's you know it's, it's very important great well that that seems like a good point to end on then yeah thank okay, you very much you, for Susan. joining us on the podcast very useful um and thoughtful answers okay, so thank you really appreciate yeah. it thank you very much all right thank you very much adam and now we're going to catch up with David Mann, who has a mechanics project with Future Choices. Future Choices gives us steps to young people in special needs and disability. We met David and his mechanic in June when they're working on the moped.
last year, obviously the future choices they finished up in uh, middle of um, July. I think at the time when you came down, we were were we working on the mopeds, if I vaguely remember. But that moped, obviously, we got it up and running. It's all been refurbished. Um, at the moment, it's actually sitting in my house because I need to get it MOTs. Um, but it's all running properly, so we managed to. Um, fix that up but uh, in terms of the students we had on board obviously they finished the program uh, one of them is working at Gatwick Airport it's, he's got a full-time job there uh, another chap he's still with us he's coming to our job club every week which is fantastic because I remember when he started on the program he wasn't really motivated and looking for a job at all you know he was happy to do some volunteering to about work experience but the minute you mentioned you know looking for paid work that's when he kind of shied away from it. But he is now actively coming to a, a job club, which we run every week here at uh, Red Hill. Um, so that's a really, really positive sign. Uh, I, I think we just need to keep working on that. And it's a matter of time before we can get him into paid work. Uh, another chap you met, he was very enthusiastic in cars, especially classic American American cars and the Japanese cars. He actually finishes Future Choices at the end of this month. Again, he we will continue supporting him after the programme. Um, and with him, we are going to try to get him working somewhere, hopefully within like the automotive kind of industry. His passion is really, really cars. Again, I think he, he does sh- tend to shy away from actual paid work. But I think once we're able to overcome that barrier with his knowledge and his practical skills as well, we can certainly get him doing something with cars or anything mechanical, to be perfectly honest, because he definitely has the skills there. And also Future Choices uh, runs on an academic timetable. So we had a whole new cohort this September. Uh, so far, we've been working on my cars and the staff cars as well. <laughs> we are doing been doing quite a lot of uh, routine servicing. A lot of the cars we've had to change, replace brake pads, brake discs. We've done general uh, general oil service as well. Um, I think some of my cars needed kind of maintenance as well. Also, I have quite a few. Um, I even brought in my race car as well for them to uh, to have a look at, which has a whole roll cage, race seats, fire extinguisher, everything. And the whole idea is really get them getting the students to try different things. Yeah, you know, it might be for them, it might not be for them, which doesn't really matter as long as they can try. We've got a young student there started in September. He's always had an interest in aircrafts, but by doing some mechanics, actually, you know, getting his hands dirty and doing the work has inspired him to apply for an apprenticeship with British Airways as an aircraft engineer. Uh, and I think he's actually been accepted as well to start next year. So that's a incredible you know success story uh, and that's just opening doors isn't it for for, for, the, for the students so if i can just get the one or two that venture down that road for me that's a that's a massive success for the group you know i want to wish everyone uh, a lovely lovely christmas uh, the end of this week is, is the last week for some of the programs as well but i know some customers we support throughout but also i want to wish everybody customers and staff uh, a lovely lovely christmas and I'll see some of you guys back after the new year. Ho, ho, ho. Another speaker. That's Choices Together. Katie Churchill from the NHS. So come on. Tom Cars. Willow Collins. John and Lisa. 
talk about potents and your health checks. My name's Katie Stribblehill. I'm the lead nurse for primary care liaison for people with learning disabilities. Hi, I'm Dawn uh, Kettleton. I'm primary care liaison nurse. And I'm Elisa Money, primary care liaison nurse as well for Northwest of Surrey. Katie told us why make choices together. We're specialist nurses who help support people with a learning disability get better and more equal access to primary healthcare with the GP practices. So um, part of our role is promoting um, annual health checks. And we were invited along to the day to present about um, annual health checks to people with learning disabilities, their families and carers, um, and to improve the uptake of those. Um, and then we had a stall also of providing some easy read information about our services and what people with a learning disability can access via us. Lisa told us why contact very important. So they're really good because people with learning disabilities are often um, not given the opportunities that the mainstream public might be given. Um, but also they often have underlying health conditions that can be that can go missed for many years, which could lead to other complications. So going to this full annual health check, which includes um, looking at their physical health, mental health, any associated health conditions, if they've got syndromes and things like that, looking at medical reviews helps them to not miss these things and give them a better quality of healthcare and life. Something sounds very helpful. Adjustments. Reasonable adjustments um, are part of the Equalities Act of 2010 that can be provided to people with a learning disability in healthcare and in work type settings. So it's to make um, access easier for them. So it can be an earlier appointment time. Um, we often say double appointment times to give people longer. Um, maybe they need to wait in the car park if it's too busy inside. Um, can be waiting in a quiet work, um, waiting area, having an, a specialist nurse involved. Um, it's they're adjustments that are reasonable to the situation and to the to the premises at the time, um, but they are designed to help people with a learning disability um, be able to access these things like you and I would. Um, so whatever the individual needs, really, they're normally individualised to the the person. The finish talk playing us following reasonable adjustments. Don't told us the background of it. It's a spoken word poem that was written a few years ago by one of our old nurses' um, husbands. Um, and we invited people um, from the local day services as well. And it's the reason it was made is to um, promote reasonable adjustments and give the side of people with a learning disabilities view of what it, how important reasonable adjustments are and um, what can happen when reasonable adjustments are not offered. Whenever we deliver training to healthcare professionals, we show it, and it's always really well received. I'm hoping I can spread some awareness of different disabilities and how they impair us. All people are equal, the Equality Act tells us that everyone should get the same care out of fairness. But if you have a learning disability like me, it might affect your life in more ways than the eye can see. So remember, the smallest change can always make a difference. So please take a minute to consider what could be different. Cause if God forbid I did have a health scare There's a couple of barriers between me and healthcare You might not even know they're there 
But if you help me get around them, you ensure my welfare. With learning disabilities, it's possible that I can't talk. So please look out for my hospital passport. It's a card full of info about me. It tells you all about my health needs and LD. Learning disabilities, that means jargon can be hard to see. That's how it can feel for me. So it would be a really massive thing for me if you could try to simplify the words and language that you use. Nobody's asking for a mountain to be moved, just a molehill or two, that's if you can manage to. It would be amazing, and the easier you make it, the calmer that I'd feel, and the more I'd appreciate it. Cause most cases only require minor changes, like an appointment time, at a more quiet time of day. Or if I'm required to wait, maybe find a quiet place for me to stay, so I'm not sitting there wishing that I could hide away. Any adjustments don't need to be unreasonable We only ask that you make changes that are feasible Like letters with less complex text that they're more readable The more confused I am, the less chance that I'll come to see you That's if I need to Could we talk on the phone? Or maybe you could find the time to see me in my home I know you're very busy, but busy places are hard for me And hospitals are bright lights and the signs are hard to read Cause if I'm not seen at home or hospital I'm sure you know the consequences could be horrible Because health needs can become worse if they're not seen in the first place Or worse in the worst case, well that's what my nurse says We're not trying to put it on you, just something to ponder Maybe my appointment time could be a little bit longer I only wonder, cause I want to see you doctor But when you've got LD, sometimes it can take you longer And just to guarantee my health needs are well met Maybe I could get an annual health check I might not be as aware of my health as everyone else So a yearly checkup would really help So there you have it, that's my perspective Even if I can't articulate or express it You can see it in my facial expressions Cause everybody finds a way to make an impression So thanks for listening to me And considering all different disabilities LD can affect people to varying degrees But in reality, compassion's all we really need So go on, put a smile on someone's face And help to level the playing field so everyone can race The world's a better place when we put care into our choices So thanks for listening to the voices of the voiceless Make sure you go and have your annual health checks Make sure you're on your um, the LD register with your GP practice so that they can give you those reasonable adjustments and keep up to date with your health. Um, and contact our team if you need any help in accessing that um, and we can just chat through it all with you. We have um, an email account that you can contact any of our nurses at. So it's just rxx.primaryliaisonld at nhs.net. But yeah, just make sure you go for your annual health checks and make sure you're on the LD register because that will make a difference to the um, access to care that you have. So you don't forget to get your mental health check, everyone, and remember to ask for reasonable justice if reads. Choices together, event, chance share the ideas. Sue wanted to share the idea. The 
idea is that there is a um, Hersham Village Hall. They are starting up a trampoline group for disabled people. The uh, Village Hall has a very high ceiling, and so you can have a trampoline session, which, because it's a very high ceiling, is good to do, because if if it's not a high ceiling, you'd hit your head. <laughs> People that are running it, which is used to be called top flight. I used to do the trampolining myself when I was younger. And, um, oh, I enjoyed it so much. I think it would be very good. And apparently people um, can lay on the trampoline bed and um, somebody else, they bounce the first one and throw the person up high. And a lot, of, a lot of people enjoy that because it gives them some um, input. But like I used to do it when I could walk and it was just so much fun. Another speaker at Choices together was our colleague Cheryl Knight, who told us about travel choices. So, uh, my name is Cheryl Knight. Um, I am the manager for um, Surrey Choices Travel Choices team. Uh, and my team and I support young people and children to travel independently to school or to college uh, by walking, by public transport or even by cycling if they wish. Why is it very, very important to you people is learning to pretty, a plan, a travel? Well, it's really, really important actually for, well, for all of us to, to plan our journeys before we go, but particularly for people with a learning disability or perhaps someone who's feeling anxious about the journey ahead of them, um, to find that by knowing exactly where you're going and what you're doing, it will help you to feel confident and safe when you're travelling. So before you go out, you need to make sure you're prepared so that you, um, you've got your door keys before you leave the house, so very important. Um, and also so that before you go, you know where you're going. So um, you check before you leave the house that you know where you're going and how you're getting there, um, that you You've checked the route, um, you know exactly how, the direction you're going to take to get there or, or if somebody's taking you to taking with you. Um, you've checked the weather and that you're wearing the right clothes for the conditions. You've got comfy shoes on and you're dressed appropriately for the conditions outside. As we know, the weather this week's been dreadful, so you don't want to be caught out in the, in the weather that we've been having this week. Um, but you know your timings, um, so you know exactly what time your bus goes or your train goes or the time you need to get somewhere. Um, you can find timetables at all bus stops and train stations from your local library and also, of course, online. Um, and you've told someone where you're going and when you're going to be back. Um, that it can help you feel a bit, bit safer as well when you're out about that someone knows where you're going when you're going back. And finally, like I said, be prepared to take everything you need with you. Make sure you've got your keys and your purse any money or any medication or any aids you're going to need when you're out and about. So if you need to wear glasses when you're out and about, then make sure you're wearing them. If you've got your hearing aids, make sure they're switched on and you've got them with you as well. All very important just to be prepared before you go anywhere. Uh, the friend, Cheryl, mentioned something called a helping hand card. It sounded very awesome. Cheryl, tell us more. That's really brilliant. So the Helping Hand Card is actually issued by Brighton and Hove buses, um, but it's recognised by um, all Surrey bus companies um, and train companies, in fact. Um, 
So this is a card that you can apply for um, from, like I said, from Brighton and Hove buses. Um, and on one side of the card, um, you can have um, contact details of a family member or your carer or a friend or someone who you'd want contacted in the case of an emergency. And on the other side, you can have special instructions that are specific just for you. So for instance, you might have on there, um, I'm visually impaired, um, give me time to sit down before you pull away, um, um, I'm autistic, um, I'm hard of hearing, really anything that is particular to you that you would want written on that card. And you can wear that in a lanyard around your neck so you can just show it to the driver um, or anyone you needed help from uh, if you needed it or just keep it in your wallet if you'd rather but they're, they're really really good thing to get hold of um, so just if you just google Brighton and Hove buses um, and google her helping hand card um, you'll get the links to come up for that and they're brilliant in our first ever podcast met grow team as I worked out at Surrey Hills we've got about six or seven of us it's not too bad it's a lot to do but we're getting there hopefully <laughs> if it don't rain <laughs> well the team have been out in the countryside again this time doing sheep mot jackie does went to see what it's all about okay james tell us about these sheep that we can see here the black faced one's a beulah yeah and the other one's a herdwick Wow, that's really good. How Welsh, do you know? How do you know that? Welsh mountain sheep. The black ones are from. Are they? Okay. So I worked in Mayswood College. Oh, yeah. brilliant! That's really mm. good. They're very gentle, aren't they? Yeah. They're very fuzzy. So, what do you think we're going to do to them today? Separate them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else might do you think you might do on a sheep MOT? What do you think that might entail? The claws. Yeah. They look like they need their claws trimming. They do, don't they? Mm. They look very docile. Do you yeah. think they'll be? Do you think they'll be easy to do? I don't know. We might have to hold them okay. between our legs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I hopefully we'll get shown. Yes. Ollie, tell me what you're thinking. Amazing. Do you think it's going to be fun? Yeah. What are you most looking forward to? Everything. Brilliant. So MOT. You're going to do them in groups, so one person can take the notes then if you go back. So we flip them, so we literally take them, flip them and show you how to do that. Um, this is a beautiful Herdwick, so he's an old boy. And what you do, you grab their nose, turn it into their own body. Now you never want to grab them by their joints. So you want to hold them on one bum cheek. Don't hold them directly on their spine like that because it's not comfortable. <laughs> I think most people are just going to have a go at this. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking at, Josh? Back good. Yeah. Look at his foot. They look okay? Yeah. Happy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, teeth. Oh. I'm having a look at his teeth now. Yeah. They look okay? Yeah. How many has he got? Eight. Eight. Brilliant. Six teeth. Eight teeth. It's six. You've got six teeth. Six teeth. Oh, yeah. bless. <laughs> so, James, how did that go? It went well. Tried our best, yeah. First, okay. first seat done, that's the Herdwick seat done. We had to trim the, check its condition, trim the seat, then claws, check to see if it's fat, yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Looks like it was really hard work, though. We got used to it in the end, yeah. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah. So how many more sheep do you think we'll get through? I think we'll get most of these done. Brilliant. It's been a great day, hasn't it? Yeah. Great day, but cold, isn't it? Been cold, yeah. Ollie. Cold, but great day. Absolutely it's freezing. It's time for Choices Voices. Surrey Voices listener Monica wrote in and asked, As I've got older, I've been losing my sight. 
one of the hardest things is getting the toothpaste onto the brush. How do other visually impaired people deal with this tricky thing? Does anyone have any tips? Well, we asked around and here's what we found out. I've always been visually impaired, but when I was young, I learned to find the bristles on the brush and squeeze it on and check to see if there was any toothpaste that had fallen off into the sink and make sure you use a towel or funnel to get the toothpaste off from around your mouth. Yes, I do have problems. At the moment, my carers put the toothpaste on the brush and I, I have enough dexterity to be able to brush my teeth myself, but I can't put the toothpaste on the brush. That is how my disability at the moment is. And there's so many things that I can't do, mainly because my eyesight is one of them and my, my um, arms shake so I cannot do anything that requires me to be um, still so I, I, can, I can understand your listener. It sounds silly doesn't it but it, I mean years ago my mum suggested that I get the toothpaste that was in a, a flat dish and you just dip the brush into the, like a, if it's like Nivea or something like that, and you just rub the toothbrush across the flat dish. You don't have to squeeze a tube or anything like that. And I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it. It's sort of like shoe polish, so you don't have to hold the brush in a specific way. If they made a toothpaste that was in the same format. You can, you can get powdered toothpaste. There's like a tooth, double toothpaste that's powder and you just put your brush head in it, brush it back and forth. Yeah, it, it would be good. I think a, a flat one would work for me, but, you know, everybody's um, disability is different, so... In 2017, I was, I was really poorly. I had food poisoning, um, unfortunately, and um, I ended up in a eight-week coma. So I was really poorly in hospital, um, had E. coli infection, which is a form of bacteria from food poisoning, which is very rare, but very unfortunate. And I was very poorly and say I was in a coma for eight weeks. And when I woke up, sadly, I had totally lost my eyesight. So over the past five years, I've had to learn to adapt to a whole new way of life. Even things like, like you say, buttering your toothbrush becomes difficult when you can't see what you're doing. It's kind of just annoying when you can't line it up because it seems such a straightforward task to just brush your teeth. But actually, you kind of, when you sit down and think someone who can't see what they're doing, it's quite a task. One, it's difficult to line the toothpaste up with the toothbrush. Two, like you're squeezing the toothpaste out and sometimes it just shoots out, sometimes it doesn't come out. And if you haven't got it lined up spot on, it's a bit of a mess. 
so actually what what we discovered was you can actually get like a, a wall mounted device so it screws onto the wall and the toothpaste goes in it the toothpaste is like secured in it and then there's a bit at the bottom where you just line where you fill the end of your toothbrush and you line your toothbrush up at the end of this um, wall mounted device and it automatically dispenses the toothpaste for you so there's no squeezing of the toothpaste. There's no sort of lining them up with sort of holding the toothbrush in one hand, the toothpaste in the other, because obviously the toothpaste is secured against the wall. So that doesn't move. So all you have to do is is sort of find the sink, move your hand upwards along the wall, find the bottom of the dispenser, slot your toothbrush in, and then it's automatic. So it just shoots a bit of toothpaste on and you're done. So it's actually really straightforward. So you can get more expensive ones that automatically dispense the toothpaste, but other ones, it's a similar kind of device, but you just push your toothpaste in and it kind of pushes a lever which squeezes the, the tube and dispenses the toothpaste. So it's a similar principle. It's just well, it's just a bit more gadgety, the um automatic one. But it's quite it was quite exciting when we discovered it because it does make getting that coordination of lining your toothbrush and the toothpaste up much easier when you can't see it very well it's something it's quite simple and and even for sighted people really that that struggle with if you've got a bit of a shaky hand or your coordination isn't great or anything like that it's just it takes that um struggle out really just just slotting your toothpaste in in by the dispenser getting the toothpaste doing your teeth and and moving on yeah Thanks everyone for your thoughts and Monica, we hope you found something useful in there. Last word today goes to Dexter. Told us why disabilities history month so important. Any any type of month where it celebrates something, whether it is disability history month or any type of month, is highlighting an important um, uh, section of society, an important, you know, an important change in history an important achievement in history and i think it's good to 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 celebrate disability i mean you know as i as i always say again my disability is a part of me it doesn't define who i am don't don't judge me by my disability judge me on my ability to do what i do and cannot do the, the disc doesn't matter forget the disc so forget about the disability just focus on the ability is what I, you know, that's what I would say. Finally, this podcast is made by Choices Waves, the in-house radio station at Surrey Choices. We want to say a big happy Christmas to all our listeners and a thank you for listening to our podcast and especially to the many people, our customers, colleagues and people from outside Surrey Choices who've joined us on the podcast throughout the year. So happy Christmas from me, Adam and from the rest of the team. Hi, I'm Martin and I'm a member of staff of Choices Waves. I would like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay safe. Hey folks, this is John from Choices Waves. Just wishing you a absolutely spectacular Christmas. Hi everyone, it's Kerry from Choices Waves and I wanted to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a big thank you for tuning in. If you ever want to get involved, just drop us an email, choiceswaves at sorrychoices.com. We would love to hear from you. And who knows, you could be the next big DJ of 2023. See you next year. Choices Waves. The digital voice of Sorry Choices. Thank you for listening to Sully Voices.
we hope you, you, enjoy, you enjoy the show. And, and if, you did, if you did, please share with your friends. You can contact us at choiceswaves at surreychoices.com. Special thanks this month to Lisa from the Anne Craft Trust for celebrating Disability History Month with us. Thank you also to the speakers at Choices Together, Amanda, Katie, Alyssa, Dawn and Cheryl. We've been your hosts, Ian, Stephen, Justin, Joe, Suzanne, Becky and Patrick. Take care. Bye bye.